Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. About 15 years ago now, I was sitting in church. In fact, I think I was, I guess we were over there at that time. I was sitting in church listening to Pastor Martin preach, which we all love to do. It was at that time when I sensed that God was saying to me that he wanted to be a, me to be a pastor one day. And of course I laughed and chuckled and my wife admonished me. No way. At the time I was a water polo and swim coach in Chowchilla and um, thought I had things pretty good, had things figured out, what I was going to be, what I was going to do. Um, Hannah and I had only been married for a few years at that point. I had absolutely no seminary, no theological training of any kind. So being a pastor was the furthest thing from my mind. And over the next few weeks and months, when I really couldn't see any other evidence that was pointing me in the direction and leading me to question whether, in fact, was God really speaking to me? I question it. That was what was, I was told to look at. Is God really calling you to something? Is that really God's voice? Was that God really speaking to me that morning or whether I was hearing some other voice? Have you ever had an experience like that? Like you really sensed that God was speaking to you, but you weren't really sure in that feeling you had was from God, or maybe it was indigestion from the burrito that you ate last night. Yes. You ever had that? Yes. So you begin to doubt whether... You're merely hearing what you wanted to hear, or it was Satan trying to distract you or to get you off track. But we know that if you are a follower of Jesus, then I am sure that you will agree that one of the functions of the Holy Spirit, and as we're in the series of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in your life is to guide and lead you. But exactly how he does that is often not really clear. Now, I don't know about you, but I sure wish that discerning the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives was much easier. Sometimes I wish that the Bible provided us with a checklist or a a uh, series of steps that we could take that would somehow guarantee that his guidance in our lives would be readily evident. And I even wish it was possible for me to preach a sermon this morning that would provide you with that kind of concrete direction in discerning the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
But if that is what you came for this morning, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Because I'm just not capable of doing that. As a man, I am not capable of doing that. I can only allow, and you can only allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. However, what we can accomplish together this morning is to get a better feel for how the Holy Spirit guides and leads us by looking at some scriptural examples of how he does that. And we're going to be all over the place this morning. But based on God's character and his word, that will help us to recognize God's voice and to distinguish it from the other voices that are vying for our attention. Amen. So, how the Holy Spirit guides us? Well, there are two broad aspects to the way that the Holy Spirit guides us. He guides us externally and internally. And we're going to talk a little bit about that right now. So, first of all, externally. So, in other words, through God's word. And although we have a tendency to ignore this aspect of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, it is actually his main way of guiding and leading us. Jesus referred to his work of the Holy Spirit in John 16, where we're going to focus a little bit today. We're going to be all over the place, but John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14 say this. When the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, since the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation is the story of Jesus, it is the Bible that is the primary means that the Holy Spirit uses to declare to us the things of Jesus and lead us into truth. Amen? Amen. As Jesus reminded his disciples when he prayed for them prior to being arrested in the garden the night before his crucifixion, God's word was the primary way he reveals truth. John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth because your word is truth. We get some further insight into the Holy Spirit's work in the development of God's word, both from Paul and from Peter. 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writing to Timothy to remind him of the importance of God's word, described how the Holy Spirit breathed out the scriptures. The phrase breathed out by God is just one word in Greek. And probably a word that Paul created to explain the process by which God's word comes to us. It is a compound word that consists of the Greek word for God 
and the verb that means to breathe out. And as we've discussed before, in both Hebrew and Greek, the word for spirit is the same word which can also be translated breath or wind. There is little doubt that Paul uh, coined this word to make it clear that the Holy Spirit is the one who both guided the men who wrote the Bible and the one who breathed life into those words. Peter is even more direct in describing the role of the Holy Spirit in the development of the scriptures. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. says, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. What should that tell you? Please don't bank on anything your pastor says. Please don't bank on anything your Sunday school teacher says. Sorry, leaders, I'm calling us out. Don't bank on it. Search the scriptures for yourself. Search the truth for yourself. He goes on to say, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So how can I make a difference as a pastor? How can you make a difference as a leader? How can you make a difference as a Christian? It says to be led by the Holy Spirit. Easy instructions. Be led by the Holy Spirit. You see, the Bible is a collection of writings from approximately 40 different authors who wrote over about a 1,500-year period. And as these men wrote under the direction of the Holy Spirit, they still used their own individual writing styles, which is quite evident in our English translations. But the Holy Spirit guided these authors. How do we know that the Bible makes a difference in our lives? The Holy Spirit guided those men. By doing that, that ensured the accuracy of the writing. And although men were involved in the process, the Bible originated with God and the Holy Spirit and has overseen the entire process by which we have received God's word as we have it today. What does that mean to you and I? We can be sure that it's reliable. Amen. And since the Holy Spirit is the author of God's word, he is also the one who enables us to understand the scriptures. Paul described that role of the Holy Spirit like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, 
but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. We're led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there to guide you. The Holy Spirit has a lot of different names. And as far as I know, has seven different functions. But we'll get into that later. Sometimes when I write an email, or if I write a letter to someone, they misunderstand what I have written, which happens quite often. I have a, a knack for uh, messing up what I'm writing because I can't get it out of here fast enough. And sometimes when I speak, that happens. So if you hear me stumbling upon words, it's because I'm too fast for myself. But when I do that, that could be because they misinterpret my tone or perhaps some of the words I use mean something else to them. So sometimes I have to explain what I've written, what I've said to the other person so that they will understand what I've written. So it kind of defeats the purpose of an email if I'm going to have to meet and talk with them anyways. But that's not the point. I'm the only person capable of doing that because I wrote those words in the first place. It wouldn't make sense for me to have RJ explain an email that I sent to Rick. That wouldn't make any sense, would it? Well, maybe. You might be better. But that doesn't make any sense. That is why the Bible is often so unintelligible to an unbeliever who does not have the Holy Spirit dwelling in his or her life. Until the Holy Spirit is in his or her life, then the Holy Spirit comes along and illuminates that person. The Bible just doesn't make sense unless that happens. So you might be asking, well, I don't understand half the Bible that I read anyway. Does that mean that maybe I don't have the Holy Spirit? No. That's not it at all. The Holy Spirit is just not ready to reveal to you what you need to have revealed to you. Amen. So we be patient. We wait upon the Lord. Yes. Amen. So, now that we've dealt with the easy part of this, we need to move on to the more difficult part to get a handle on. The Holy Spirit not only works externally through the Bible, he also works internally. Let me explain. Now, although I think we would all agree that the Holy Spirit does this, I'm not sure we would all agree on how he does this. It's no wonder someone once made the comment about this aspect about the Holy Spirit's work. They said, when you talk to God, we call it prayer. But when God talks to you, we call it schizophrenia. Right? It's not surprising that the world thinks like that. Just think of all the horrible things that people have done throughout history because they claim that God told them to do it. How many times have you heard that in the last 20 years? God told me to do it. But we can't let that thought process 
paralyze us to the point where we go to the opposite extreme of never being willing to step out in faith in response to the leading of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, we find a number of times where the Holy Spirit guided people in this kind of internal manner. In Acts chapter 8, we read how the Holy Spirit guided Philip to go over to the chariot of the Ethiopian eunuch as he was um, returning home from Jerusalem. As Philip, Philip explained the scriptures and how they told the good news of Jesus, the, in other words, that official committed his life to Jesus and then he was baptized. In Acts chapter 10, we read how the Holy Spirit led Peter to go to the house of a centurion named Cornelius. Acts chapter 13, the apostles were directed by the Holy Spirit to set apart Barnabas and Saul for ministry. A little further in Acts 16, Paul is prohibited by the Holy Spirit from going to Asia and directed to go to Macedonia. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is directed by the Spirit to go back to Jerusalem. And what's really interesting to me about these accounts is that we're not given any detail about how the Holy Spirit guided and led these people. There is no set formula like I just mentioned earlier. There's no set formula and not one that we can use to ensure that the Holy Spirit will guide us like he led them. So there's a clear question here. How can we know if it is the Holy Spirit leading us when he works in this kind of internal way? How do we know? In order to answer that question, we need to begin with a general principle and then spend some time looking at some criteria that can help us to recognize the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So, first thing, the general principle the Holy Spirit works is a way that is consistent, follow me so far, that is consistent with God's character and God's word. That is how he operates. Since the Holy Spirit is God, he is always going to work in a way that is consistent with the character of God. As he works in our lives... He is going to exhibit love. He is going to exhibit grace, mercy, justice, righteousness, holiness, and other attributes that are consistent with who he is. And since he is the author of scripture, everything he does is always going to be consistent with God's word. And with that general principle in mind, we are now ready to develop some criteria to help us recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Are you ready? Here we go. Whenever we hear a voice, whenever we hear a voice, it can come from one of three places. It can come from God, 
as his Holy Spirit communicates with our human spirit. It can come from Satan. When Satan speaks to us, he will try to deceive us by counterfeiting God. And that's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians that he disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's often hard to distinguish his voice from that of the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, it can come from self. It can come from self. We often hear what we want to hear. And it's easy to convince ourselves that God is speaking to us when it's really just our own voice. Which is something I did very similar 15 years ago. Maybe it's just me wanting to do it. Maybe it's just me calling myself to ministry. Is it really what God wants? Are you really speaking to me? And we've all had that moment. So how do we recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit? Because we know that the Holy Spirit always speaks in a way that is 100% consistent with God's word and God's character. And I know we've already touched on this. But this principle is so important that we can't possibly emphasize it enough. And since, as we've seen, God's word is truth. When the Holy Spirit speaks, he will always speak in a way that is consistent. No exceptions. Understand that. There's no exceptions. We know that Satan is the father of lies. So when he speaks, he will speak with lies and half-truths, just like he did with Eve in the garden. And it is also easy to lie to ourselves. You know what I'm talking about. It is easy to lie to ourselves. But when the Holy Spirit speaks, what he says will never violate Scripture even a little bit. So if I want to be sure I know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to me, I must have a good handle on God's word. And when something comes to mind, the first thing that I and you need to do, we need to see if it's consistent with what God had already revealed to you and I in his word. We have to be our own, and I don't like the term any more than you do. We have to be our own fact checkers, right? We need to see for ourselves what is truth. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to me, then I've got to know that it's the truth. How do I do that? I seek God's word. I see if it's consistent with God's word and God's character. This is exactly what Jesus did when Satan tempted him in the wilderness. Every time that Satan spoke to him, Jesus evaluated what was being said to him with the word of God. And when Satan tried to twist the scriptures in order to deceive Jesus, Jesus knew the Bible well enough to resist those lies. Are we familiar enough with the scriptures that we can resist the lie? I've put this standard first. Because it is 
by far the most objective and the most important of all the criteria that we'll look at this morning. Really important. Underline it, highlight it, staple it to your forehead. I don't care. It's that important. Although the rest of the tests are certainly biblical, they can be a little more subjective and difficult to apply. So without first applying this test, the remaining five really don't do us a lot of good. So if you forget everything else, just remember number one. Okay? But secondly, the Holy Spirit tends to speak when we are seeking God. He speaks when we are seeking God. In each of the instances we looked at earlier in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit spoke while people while people were actively seeking God in some way. The Holy Spirit spoke to Philip right after he had been proclaiming the gospel in Samaria. The Holy Spirit spoke to Peter after he had been on the housetop praying. The Holy Spirit spoke to the church in Antioch in Acts chapter 13 while the people were worshiping and fasting. The Holy Spirit consistently spoke to Paul while he was in the process of ministering to others in the name of Jesus. And this really shouldn't come as a surprise. You see, because when the people of Judah had been taken into exile in Babylon, God had Jeremiah the prophet write a letter to the exiles in which God promised to bring the people back to Jerusalem after their 70-year exile. And at that time, God promised that if the people would pray to him and seek him, that he would be found by them. Then you will call upon me and come pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me, and when you seek me, with all your heart. Although it's certainly possible that for God's Spirit to speak to us whenever He wants, you see, the evidence of Scripture is that He usually speaks to us when we are actively seeking God through time in His Word and in prayer. Amen. You want to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit? Get to His level. How do we do that? We seek God. We seek his word. We seek the truth. This principle leads us directly to the third measure we can use to help determine if it is the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Because in addition to the first two, the third one says that the Holy Spirit tends to speak with gentle leadings. Quite the contrary, we, we like to believe that God smacked us across the head and said, yo, wake up. You're not living a life for me. So I'm going to knock you down, make you feel worthless, show you that I am greater than you. No, that's not his style. I don't know about you. I hate shopping for cars. You're going to learn a lot about me, the things I don't like. 
I don't like to shop for cars, which is the reasons why I don't do it very often. And one of the reasons I hate it most is the inevitable, what can I do to get you in this car today? I don't like haggling. What's going to get me in that car is you hand me the keys and say, see you later. And that's just one example of how we live in a world that tries to get us to act on impulse. Another of my favorites are the infomercials that exhort you to call right now, be the first 50 callers, and receive double your order. So you can have twice as much of the useless junk that we're trying to sell you, right? We certainly know that Satan works like that, doesn't he? When he tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he offered to give Jesus dominion over the entire world. But Jesus, knowing that God the Father would give that to him in the future anyway, refused to take that shortcut. And the same thing often happens when it is my own voice that is speaking to me. It's pretty easy to convince ourselves to take the easy route so that we can get what we want right now. The Holy Spirit, on the other hand, tends to lead us gently rather than push, drive and demand like a car salesman. He certainly can see this in the account of Elijah's encounter with God. In 1 Kings chapter 19, he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? God was not in the strong wind or the earthquake or the fire, but instead spoke to Elijah in a low whisper. And while it is true that God does sometimes speak to us with a sense of urgency when the situation requires it, most of the time God gives us plenty of time to think through the issues and make sure we are hearing from him and not just from ourselves or Satan. Fourthly, the Holy Spirit tends to speak to us personally. Personally. As we look back on those same events in the books of Acts that we referred to earlier, we find that when the Holy Spirit speaks, he almost always speaks personally to the person he is attempting to lead and guide. With perhaps the exception of the prophets, it is rare for the Holy Spirit to speak to one person about another person's life. Most of the time, it's personal. It's between you and him. When the Holy Spirit spoke to Peter, Philip, and the church at Antioch, and Paul, his 
His purpose was to deal with their personal lives and what God wanted them to do. He didn't give them a message to pass on to someone else about his or her life. Now, it was certainly true that what the Holy Spirit called them to do did have an impact in the lives of others. But the primary message was personal for those to whom the Holy Spirit was speaking. That's why I'm always very leery when I hear someone say that the Holy Spirit has spoken to them about what someone else is supposed to do. You should be too. Because it's personal. If the Holy Spirit is guiding someone to do something, he's telling them personally. He's not telling me to tell you. He's not telling you to tell me. It's personal. The Holy Spirit also tends to speak specifically. It's very specific in what he tells us personally. And this aspect of how the Holy Spirit speaks operates in a couple different ways. First, the Holy Spirit speaks specifically when it comes to convicting me and convicting you of your sins. We've seen throughout this series that one of the most important roles of the Holy Spirit is to reveal the sin that's in my life. And then on top of that, to rebuke me when I sin. But when he does that, he is almost always very specific. So my thoughts will be something like this. Last Sunday morning, you were rude to a specific person in this specific way. I hope I wasn't. Those of you I talked to, I hope I wasn't rude. But that's what he would tell me. You are very rude to this person. Not, hey, you know what? The other person is feeling bad because of the way you talk to them. No. He rebukes me for my sin. He rebukes me for my sin. And on the other hand, both Satan and self tend to accuse with broad generalities that leave me and you, I'm sure, with a feeling of unresolved guilt. Oh, I hate that too. Guilt. Ugh. I know that I often experience those kinds of feelings in ministry. My cross to bear, I guess. But I feel it. I do. So I need to spend a lot of time preparing for that in study. And when only a handful of people show up for that study that I prepare for, I cannot let myself get angry. I cannot let myself go to the question why. Because the Holy Spirit will specifically tell me why if I'm listening and I'm seeking after God. And I've learned over the years that when I have those kinds of feelings of failure and guilt, I need to ask God if there are any specific sins that I need to confess to or repent of. And if there are, I need to take care of that. But once I've done that, I know that any remaining feelings of guilt, doubt, and failure are not from the Holy Spirit. I know that for a fact. 
They are either from myself or from Satan. And when I apply that process to all the things that I do and all the things that you do, we know where to focus our, our efforts. We know where to hear the actual voice that is speaking to us and who it is. Because the second way that the Holy Spirit speaks specifically is in the instructions he gives. And I've learned over the years that if I'm confused or have doubts about something that I believe is from God, then perhaps it's not from God at all. It is not God's nature to bring confusion into our lives. Do we understand that? It is not his goal to bring confusion to you. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. He wants to bring peace in our lives. So when that happens, I continue to read God's word. And I continue to pray and wait until I get more specific guidance from the Holy Spirit. And finally this morning, the guidance of the Holy Spirit produces peace. The thing that we're all looking for. Peace. We saw in 1 Corinthians 14 that God is a God of peace. So when the Holy Spirit speaks, he's going to produce peace in our lives. And Paul confirms the role of the Holy Spirit in producing peace in our lives in another of his letters, Romans chapter 14. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit speaks, he brings a deep sense of peace to our lives. Self and Satan, on the other hand, tend to bring chaos restlessness and disorder to our life. I found that the best way to determine if the Holy Spirit is speaking is to take and apply all of this criteria. And believe me, I don't always do it perfectly. But it is a guide. It is an outline to how I can know for sure without a doubt that it is the Holy Spirit that speaks. But let me close by applying these criteria to my personal situation that I shared to begin this message. When I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me about being a pastor, here's how I used those tests. First of all, and I had help, by the way. Number one, the Holy Spirit always speaks in a way that is 100% consistent with God's Word. So obviously... <laughs> There is nothing in the Bible that says Chris Cook is supposed to be a pastor. There is nothing in there that says that. But the Bible does reveal that all of us are to use our spiritual gifts for the good of the body. Amen? Amen. And since by that time in my life I knew that God had given me the gift of teaching, becoming a pastor was consistent with God's word. Second, the Holy Spirit tends to speak when I'm seeking God. Well, since I was focused on God in worship and focused on his word as it was being preached, 
I, I felt like I was in the midst of seeking God. The Holy Spirit tends to speak with gentle leadings. Sometimes they were gentle. For the most part, it was. And this was certainly the case for me. God didn't lead me to immediately quit my job, pick up my family, and move somewhere where I could go to seminary. Actions which obviously would have violated the scriptural commands to take care of the needs of my family. No, God gave me time to reflect on these thoughts and verify over time that they were from him. And I had the negative thoughts come through as well. No, this isn't for me. I even had some people even tell me, no, this is not for you. I believed you for a while. The Holy Spirit tends to speak to me personally. Obviously, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me personally. He opened my eyes. I thank him every day to be able to stand where I stand. It is a privilege. It really is. The Holy Spirit tends to speak specifically. And to be real honest, at the time, I didn't have any specific direction at all. I knew that I liked to work with the kiddos. I knew that that seemed to be my calling. And I still think it is. I mean, obviously. But at the time... And as I continued to seek God's direction, that specific direction did come. Although this was the first time I'd ever had a thought like this, there was an amazing amount of peace about what I was hearing from the Holy Spirit, even though I had never even considered becoming a pastor before. And I certainly lacked many of the qualifications to do that. There wasn't a sense of panic, at least on my part. Some of us maybe panicked a little bit. I'm not pointing at anyone specific. I'll hear from that later. But I didn't panic. I'm really thankful for how the Holy Spirit guided me. I'm thankful for how the Holy Spirit guides you through that process and during so many other times in our lives. And to also know that the Holy Spirit delights in guiding all of us. He delights in that. And although I'm not sure we can ever fully understand exactly how he does that, I do know this. He wants to lead us more than we often want to be led by him. He does. He wants to lead us more than we ever let him. So it seems like the appropriate way to respond to God's word this morning is to pray. And ask him to do two things. First, give us a desire to follow him. And then secondly, to help us recognize when he is speaking in our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Dave is not feeling well. Pray for him. So I'm going to close this morning. I'm going to have everyone stand with me. And I will close this out this morning. And I'll also pray for the meal that we're about to partake in. Uh, everyone is invited to join us following here over in the fellowship hall for our 
soup potluck. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your guidance, for the leading of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, help us to decipher those voices that speak to us, that seek to lead us, to seek to guide us. And Lord, let us be mindful of whose voice that is. Let us trust in you fully. Let us understand that it, you delight in leading us. You delight in our victories. You delight when we have to lean upon you. Lord, I'm grateful for the position that I'm in. As everyone knows, it has its ups and downs. But Lord, I wouldn't have it any other way. Thank you that you bring us to a place where we can come to know you fully, where we can come to allow you to guide us in the way that you'd have us go. Lord, as we leave here today, I pray that we are mindful of the voice that leads us. Is it ourselves? Is it Satan? Or is it the Holy Spirit calling us to action? And Lord, when we get it right and we follow the Holy Spirit, you bring to us peace. A peace in our life that we could never create on our own. And so we're grateful. And Lord, as we leave this building and we go and have lunch today in fellowship with one another, I pray that this message will be on our hearts and our minds from here on out. Lord, lead us to where you would have us go. Thank you for the opportunities that you will give to do so. Bless the food now to our bodies and to the enjoyment of this day. And Lord, all the things that we say, all the things that we do, let it be to your glory and to your honor. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to him. If you're not attending a church that honors the Bible as the Word of God, we encourage you to locate and begin attending such a church in the area where you live. The message you have just heard was preached from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. For more information on the ministry of First Baptist Church, Winton, please visit our website at wintonchurch.org.